Great. Thanks, Sarah. And look, uh, thanks to Marsh. These uh, webinars are great. So the, the feedback we've had so far is, has been tremendous. So I really appreciate the ongoing support, Sarah, for, for us and the, the, the entire industry who are you know, part of these, these webinars. So in, in terms of getting started, look, I, I won't go into a lot of detail about us, but um, Alex, perhaps did you want to just provide a, a quick overview of, I guess, our working relationship and how we know each other for the, the people on the call today? Yeah, sure, sure. Look, first and foremost, I, I want to thank you for, for having me on as a panellist. It's definitely a privilege to be able to share um, my views on, on managing contractors amongst other HSC peers. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, today's conversation will generate plenty of discussion. Uh, just a, a little bit about myself. I've, I've spent seven of the last eight years uh, at Ventia with a, a one-year gap in between. And during my, my first stint at Ventia, which is formerly Broad Spectrum, I, I, spent, uh, I spent my tenure uh, reporting to Mark, who, who provided me with some great mentorship. And, and with that support, it's, it's led to, to the opportunity to move into the, the, the GM role. So really appreciative of that. Um, the telco business that, that I support with Inventor is, is approximately a $1.2 billion business across Australia and New Zealand. Um, and who is Ventia, you may ask? Ventia is a, an employer of a, over 15,000 employees uh, and about three to four times that amount in uh, contractors. Um, so we are a provider of services to businesses who, who want to outsource the management of their infrastructure. Uh, and Ventia employ close to 200 HSC professionals and 50 of those sit within um, the telco sector. Uh, so this topic is is uh, pretty close to my heart because our, our model at Ventura, in, especially in telco, is to predominantly outsource our, our workforce um, uh, whilst that workforce is still utilising our, our, our safe systems of work and you know, things like our swims, et cetera. Um, and we also have an added complexity of, of being a, a self-insured under the, the Comcare scheme as well, which, which adds a, a compliance burden there. So. Therefore, hoping um, my experience can add or stimulate some some conversation today and add some value. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Alex. I've no doubt uh, your your stories will. And look, we've got plenty of war stories ha having worked together, um, um, and certainly around managing contractors. So, uh, for those that missed the the previous webinars, um, just to let everyone know on the call that um, look, we do have a a self assessment assurance tool that organisations can use if they wish just to better understand their current versus uh, the desired state, um, which broadly tracks, uh, I guess, the, the series of webinars we're going through today. In terms of um, the recent webinar, just to, just to recap, you know, we spent a little bit of time walking with Laura um, from Scout. We, we spoke a, a bit about you know, compliance versus culture, um, some of the challenges around setting expectations, in particular with labour hire, um, and how to organise contractors um, ready for, for work. So, so mobilisation based on um, the different risk profiles and contractor type, which you know, can be varied um, and many. So uh, lots of learning there. So feel free to go and have a look at the, the previous webinars if, you, if you've missed those ones, um, both number one and two. Um, but look, today, um, managing contractors, there, there's so many different things we can talk about today. And we're really keen to, to get everyone's feedback on the call. There are a couple of polls coming up um, really encourage your, your participation. Um, what we will talk about in terms of managing uh, contractors today is this concept of outsourcing versus insourcing. Now, often that's a decision that's made um, 
at the very start when you're sourcing to decide whether you're going to contract at all. Um, but it's also a question that can be asked through the whole life cycle um, of contractor management. Um, and I know as a, as a business owner myself, I continually challenge myself uh, around whether we insource or outsource work. Um, it's not all about insourcing and outsourcing just health and safety and contractor management. It's about insourcing or outsourcing any type of work. Um, we'll also talk about you know, the communication of hazards, um, some of the challenges around um, authorizing work to occur when you're engaging contractors, when you're not physically there um, in particular. Um, and just some concepts around software deployment as how, how that relates to contractor management too. So I can see some chats coming through. Um, we'll have a look at those in a second. But before we do that, just a quick poll, Sarah. Um, bit of a question just to, to get a bit of feedback from the, from the audience there today. Um, what is your highest priority when outsourcing? Um, now that could be um, for those um, might, might ask, outsourcing what does that mean it's it's usually when you're engaging an external third party to perform some sort of work that could be outsourcing um, operations um, it could be outsourcing health and safety work um, any sort of outsourcing tend to get um, people's views on what are they, their biggest considerations when they're making the decision around outsourcing work okay just about there almost everyone has um, voted Still going. All right, well, there's a, a good winner. Expertise, okay, 67%, um, which is great. Um, unions have got 0%. Um, I know for some organization that can be a bit of a challenge in terms of the, the industrial issues around outsourcing work, but um, the other close winner is outcomes. So expertise and outcomes clearly, you know, a, a big factor there in terms of deciding when to outsource work. Um, given that a lot of people are on the call today um, as well, um, it also might be worth calling out you know, um, the, the obvious around health and safety considerations. Um, and we do challenge everyone on the call to get involved in some of those co commercial decisions around whether to insource and outsource and what are the health and safety implications and outcomes um, in making those sorts of decisions? So, so Alex, from your point of view, I know you've had a huge amount of experience around workforce management in terms of you know, those decisions around insourcing and outsourcing work. Um, now, from your experience, you know, what, what do you see some of the challenges and considerations when you're making that decision around using third parties? Mark, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I, I actually found that the top four hard to split myself. Um, if I was to focus on uh, on, on the top two, I, I often see at differing times these two come into, into conflict with each other. Um, you know, I, I spoke up front about the amount of resource that Ventia or health and safety resource that Ventia has internally. Um, and within the telco business, we have 50 resources. About a third of these resources effectively utilised um, to onboard and, and, and manage contractor compliance. So as you can imagine, that, that's a significant cost. And when at differing times within the business environment, you, you do get challenged on that amount of resource that's sitting within your organisation. Um, if I shift to, a, to a, a time perspective, we often have programs of work where we have last minute changes to program, which may require um, you know, a contractor to be onboarded very last minute to, to help 
um, or partner with operations to help deliver to a particular program. Um, and, and with an internal workforce, you've obviously got the ability to flex and, and focus your attention um, elsewhere and, and, and shift very, very quickly. And there have been times where we have a contractor working within our organisation that haven't been fully onboarded, but with other provisions in place, such as you know, having a fully supervised, um, having that contractor fully supervised 100% of the time um, until we can get them onboarded to, to the level that we're comfortable with. So I, I see, you know, from a, from a cost and time perspective, I can see that they can be conflicting depending on, on, on where the organisation is from a program perspective. Yeah, great. And look, um, you know, the, the decision around to insource or, or outsource, as I sort of mentioned, I mean, that doesn't have to be just a, around health and safety activity as it relates to contractors. It could be related to any sort of work. Um, and for health and safety professionals to, to be, um, you know, collaborating with senior leaders around these decisions often is really important. Um, I was talking to, to someone recently around a, a decision to use Uber um, as part of their uh, logistics supply chain. And the health and safety considerations around making that decision are huge. Um, and the potential reputational damage and or potential reputational um, opportunities to really go faster um, and outsource things that may not be core business. So certainly there's not a one size fits all, um, but do encourage organisations and health and safety professionals to continue to, to challenge yourselves um, around whether to insource or outsource um, the type of operations that you're involved in. Um, and in terms of um, communicating uh, with contractors as they're mobilising and managing the contractors, you know, we spoke um, a fair bit already um, around the pre-qualification around, um, you know, not going too far, um, not sticking your nose in too far and just trying to find what that, the, the line in the sand is. And, you know, if you're looking at purely from a legal point of view, you know, um, this concept around doing what's reasonably practicable um, is a great starting point. Um, there's also lots of case law around being reasonably reliant on contractors, third parties. So, um, you know, as the head contractor or the principal contractor engaging contractors or third parties to do that, um, when a decision is made to outsource, um, often organisations are challenged a bit to, on how far to go um, and are continually looking at what the contractor is doing as opposed to what they need to do. So, you know, don't, don't forget that um, you don't necessarily need to do everything. Um, and more importantly, it's important that you learn to communicate what your hazards are to the contractors so the contractors can manage that themselves as opposed to you doing it for them. Um, do you think that's fair to say, um, Alex, from your point of view? Um, you know, do you have any stories around you know, the challenges around trying to communicate on-site risks as the, the asset owner or even as the contractor to your subcontractors? Yeah, look, it's 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 a big challenge um, where you know part of the, the federal safety commission commission's accreditation requires us as a principal contractor to communicate the uh, the project risk register to our subcontractors prior to that commercial engagement. Look, we do tick off this criteria and demonstrate doing it, but it, can I put hand on heart and say it's it's effective as what I'd like it to be? Hell no. Um, essentially, essentially that, you know, in my mind, that the best way to communicate those those outcomes is really done uh, in a in a face-to-face -face environment, uh, you know, utilizing a, a project induction or or similar. Uh, recent times we've we've 
you know, the, the online induction during the COVID period, for me, it's, it's seemed to started to lose effectiveness with people becoming distracted and not paying attention. So we, we are seeing, you know, some of these kinds of issues within our business. Um, but this is also where our assurance program can, can, can be prevalent in, in terms of monitoring the effectiveness of critical controls. And while this has a heavy compliance focus, um, I think it can easily be shifted to um, more of a, a coaching methodology rather than um, you know, that, that compliance focus and really working with a contractor to get to the standard you know, that's, that's required or expected of them. Because often when we do onboard a contractor, they're, they're not necessarily going to be um, to the required standard from health and safety standard that we would expect. So we, we, we often partner with contractors um, in that field assurance piece that, that you know, work with them to, to get them to a level that we need them to be to over a period of time. Yeah, great. Um, thanks, Alex. Um, in terms of um, permits, this is often a really big topic um, around managing contractors. You know, we spoke a lot about upfront around what's the role um, of different parties and trying to be really clear up front um, in agreement um, and even at mobilisation stage. From your perspective, Alex, you know, what is reasonable in terms of um, signing off permits? Do, do you find that the contractor always, the head contractor always has to be the approval? No, look, this, this is, this is a, it's been a huge topic for our organisation, and we, we undertake a lot of civil work and significant amount of excavation um, uh, type activities. In 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 the past, um, what what we have done is is had a delegation of authority process, where effectively we we take contractors through a, a regime where they get to a point where they're they're signing and approving their, their own permits, which is reviewed periodically, um, and that look that has worked well in the past but we've also had situations where you know when you've got a commercial arrangement in place with a client where a contractor is um uh, you know they're rewarded for for effectively volume of work sometimes that uh, can you know have its risks um and given the digital environment that we're in nowadays we've been recently able to move to an environment where contractors are able to complete permit, permit um, approvals online, um, attach, uh, you know, relevant artifacts and, and, and those permits and, and artifacts can be reviewed offline, uh, off-site and uh, approved um, utilising electronic means. So I, I think there's a significant opportunity here. And, and, and to be fair, since we've gone to that system, um, I feel like things have really improved from a permit permitting perspective um, and if you're, you're you're asking a contractor to attach an artifact which is um, you know auditable uh, effectively we, we've seen a, a huge improvement in in that risk profile of ours and we're definitely hitting a lot less assets so Alex as you talk around some of those challenges and the shift there around um, authorizing permits is it's just a couple of little chats here um, Kathy is saying that, you know, the permit should be the control of the subcontractor, that they should be the approver, um, which, you know, could be true um, in some circumstances. Then we've got another comment here from Mark who talks around permits are really important as a way of managing 
um, and preventing conflicts between works, between multiple parties and stakeholders. So, you know, and that's a risk, you know, sometimes having someone at a higher level up um, the chain overseeing the interface between works, um, authorising permits can be important as well. So clearly it's not a one size fits all. Um, Greg also talks around some of the challenges of um, a contractor and their subcontractors and trying to understand how to manage permits when you've got multiple layers of um, third party um, workforce working together. So you know, clearly it's a bit of a challenge and you know, today's not about giving everyone uh, the answers, more around sharing some of our learning around what works, what doesn't, and a few considerations um, around some of these subject areas, it can be a, a bit of a challenge. Look, they're all very, very valid points, Mark. Uh, and I think the comment you, you made around it's it's not one size fits all is 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 pertinent. It's definitely um, spot on. And, and I think you know processes within organisations need to be tailored for that business. So in an environment like uh, the environment that I work in, where we're not working within a gated construction site. Uh, and we have a workforce which is spread all over the country working on suburban streets or, or, or remote areas. Um, we, we, don't, we don't have that ability to, to be on site 100% of the time. So effectively, we've had to think a little bit differently uh, in the way that, that, that we operate. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, we've had good outcomes. I, I, if I put hand on heart, I'm actually genuinely surprised with the outcomes that we've had, and that is um, not taking for granted the comments that have, that have that have been made, because I actually agree with with what's been put forward. Um, but we did work closely with operations um, to determine those parameters, and also with the client as well, because our, our client are quite is quite prescriptive on um, you know the way they manage critical risk as well. Yeah, great. And look, um, if you use this concept of trying to um, empower the workforce to make as many decisions as they can within a, a framework that's reasonable. You know, the, the, the more freedom you can give people within a framework that allows them to make their own decisions safely, you know, you know there's lots and lots of opportunities to, to um, allow that to occur so everyone can work faster and potentially even safer. Um, but again, that's not always the case depending on the situation. So um, in terms of um, managing contractors, um, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunities around using software. Alex, you've made reference to, to using software um, already and how that's benefited your organisation. Um, you know, what I will say as organisations start to consider the use of software is to be really clear in your requirements up front. Um, a, a lot of these things that we spoke around, around insourcing or outsourcing, um, whether you use permits or you don't use permits, um, and whether you use software to do the, the work or, and or some sort of manual process. So it, it comes back to really understanding your own risk profile and, and requirements. Um, we've probably got a, a few more minutes left before we sort of hand things over to a bit more of a Q&A, but um, Alex, from your, your perspective, um, you know, have you had much experience in project managing or overseeing um, software requirements as it relates to, to contractor management? Most definitely, I and mean, I've definitely uh, spent a lot of time um, on a, on a program of work focused on on outsourcing that contractor onboarding piece. Um, I, I think that the, the great thing about 
software is, and, and a lot of us in, in, in health and safety love, love our data, but it, it gives us an ability to, to make data-driven decisions uh, on, on improvements. So, um, you know, whether that's in relation to, to, to critical risk or, or, or whole points or um, in, in an onboard boarding process, um, the benefits of, of using software, uh, you know, that ability to, to, to pull the data and apply it to, to your business framework and, and make decisions based on, on that data. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's definitely the, the way of the future. I don't think I'm saying anything that um, isn't already well known. Um, and, you know, the ability to, and things that we're currently investigating at the moment as well as the ability to manage work sites remotely. And I think that's something that arose during the, the whole COVID lockdown uh, period. And again, I, I think that's something that can be investigated further in, in terms of, you know, remote site locations. Um, and again, we've, our, our experience has suggested that we can still undertake a very compliance focused assurance activity remotely um, successfully with good outcomes. It's interesting you use the word compliance focused um, and, you know, um, and you've also mentioned various um, accreditation requirements on the call today as well. Often they do get in the way in terms of trying to do things um, really effectively and building really a high performance culture if you're resorting back to just doing it because of the compliance sake. But, um, you know, having a foundation of compliance is always important, um, but it's just about getting the balance, I guess. It, it is a mix. It is a mix, Mark, and I, and I think uh, look, if if it's blending blending the two and, and to to be able to get you know the the outcome that you need, I I I'm a big supporter of face to face being um, you know the the more effective um, from a from a culture perspective, un, un, undoubtedly. But when you don't have that ability. There are still ways that we can be effective if we if we do think a little bit differently. So um, we're, we're approaching a bit of a Q and A now, Sarah, and I've just got one on the on the on the line here now from Lawrence asking around how we manage communication um, effectively, particularly with the front line when your contract is subcontracting out work. Um, and. Look, there's lots of potential options here, but you know, certainly we've um, spoken about this a little bit in the previous calls, particularly around setting expectations and agreements um, during the mobilisation stage around um, um, having some sort of expectation of your contractors when they do subcontract out the work that they communicate that with you and some sort of parameters around that. Um, how that then feeds down to your front line, um, I think it really depends on your, your organisation and how you, you manage um, the communication um, and how you can sort of use existing communication channels to, to, to make sure information is feeding up and down the organisation relatively quickly. Um, Alex, have you got any, any views on or experiences on how you manage communication and visibility of subcontractors? Yeah, look, this, this is a big challenge for our organisation and I, we, we effectively Call that secondary secondary subcontractors. Uh, it, it is it is a challenge. We we still treat those secondaries uh, like like our primaries in, in terms of the onboarding process. Um, but there, look, there there is a challenge. There there is definitely a challenge within the industry. I, I think again, if we if we part back on the on the previous slide around technology, 
um, you know, uh, we, we utilize work allocation, our work allocation system to push out messages electronically to the workforce. Um, but that's something that we invested a significant amount of time into to be able to, uh, you know, have, have, a, have a software that enables us to do that. Um, but I, I believe that that's where the future lies, if I'm honest, um, but very, very challenging. I don't think that our business has nailed it, if, if I'm perfectly honest. And I'd love to connect with people outside of this forum to, to continue that discussion. Yeah, look, I mean, Alex, you mentioned Venture's got 15,000 odd employees. I'd hate to think how many contractors they've got, um, contracting companies, let alone actual contractor workers. Um, to, to have perfect communication with your subcontractors is, um, you know, near impossible, I think, with a workforce that size. Um, um, and leveraging, I guess, your, your existing operational processes sounds really important, um, rather than trying to overlay that with another form of communication. Um, open to any other Q&A or chats too from people as we start to, to round out the discussion today um, around managing contractors. Any questions or, or comments people might wish to have? Um, as we wait for those to come through, um, I mean, if you are after additional information, we do have um, a stack of information on our website. Um, Monash also has some great material on their website um, on previous webinars uh, around contractor management. Um, we've got a few blogs there on um, managing contractor requirements as it relates to software, um, and also this concept of outsourcing, um, commonly uh, known as business process outsourcing or, or BPO, and how organisations may wish to to use that. Um, we've got an, any more um, chats there, Sarah, that you can see? Um, well, there's a question from Ashley. Um, I think you just read my mind that she's talking to you. We embrace software for onboarding, permits, training, inductions, but culture is something we still see on the ground only. I'm thinking things like assurance activity on the job could feed back into software, anything else? Oh, that's yeah. That's that's an interesting. Um, it, it's an interesting point. I, I think it, it it does feed, but should feed back in. Um, I mean that 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 assurance activity will, will provide you with with a particular data set uh, on on a particular risk profile, um, which should be utilised to you know to to target you know initiatives or, or, or strategic decisions that are made in the in the future. Um, and can definitely be linked back into to, to the cultural piece um, and that face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, we do that quite frequently within our organisation when periodically, I'd say free monthly, we, we, we review that data and, and target initiatives based on that data. And those initiatives are generally a face-to-face -face interaction with our front line, um, uh, you know, to, 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 to walk them through um, you know, the, the, the initiative or the improvement or, 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 or the concern, essentially. Um, can I just jump in quickly? I don't normally say anything. <laughs> um, I have shared a couple of the past webinars at the top of the chat. So if you scroll right back and um, just on Ashley's comment, I think whatever software you use, you need to make sure that it's totally configurable so that what you require, you can do in the software. So if you want to ask a contractor extra questions, you should be able to make sure that's easily done for your requirements. So we've got a webinar in a couple of weeks, I think, on, on that with um, 
our particular software. Um, and also I'm going to share a quick survey um, in the chat um, and it is quick and um, it just helps us improve all the webinars. So if you can open that link and quickly complete it, that'd be great. Um, any other questions? No. Well, we're exactly on time, Mark, for once. Thanks, Sarah. We try, we try and get it right from time to time. So um, thanks again for your support. And thanks, Alex, for, for jumping in. Um, great to hear from you again. And yeah, all, all the best with your contractors. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate it. All right. I'll share the survey on the email later today. And keep um, track of your spam box because sometimes the emails travel in there. Um, and thank you, everyone. Um, and we'll see you next week, next Wednesday, hopefully. Thanks, Sarah. Bye.